Um, it's it's a Friday, folks. Well, actually, it's a Thursday, but this is Friday's episode. We are pulling out of Two's hometown, which we're not going to disclose locations in fear of so many fans coming from all over the place to, uh, you know, uh, see where he grew up and all that good stuff. But we just yeah, pulled out. They wouldn't be able to handle the tourism. That's right. Um, we got some uh, episode sponsors today. Uh, let's see if I can rattle them off from memory, and if I can't. Uh, You'll have to give them a refund. That's right. Uh, first is Silver Gold Bull. And, of course, uh, we were talking about them yesterday when it comes to uh, uh, another Alberta business, successful Alberta business. And when it comes to gold, silver, uh, all that good stuff, these are the guys. You know, they can they can get you hooked up anywhere in Canada. It's all online. Do you realize that? Like, you can't actually physically go in there. You can go in and, and see things. You can store things with them. But when it comes to buying gold or silver... You can't just go in there and say, I would like a gold brick, please. Correct. It's all done online. So if you just went in and said, I would like to buy a gold brick, they'd tell you to leave and go to the website. Correct. I don't. They don't have a storefront. Well, yeah, but I mean, if you went there and you were there already, they'd probably just be like, okay, well, here, just... Well, maybe. I don't know. I'm just saying that uh, when I went and toured their, their location in Calgary, I was oh, like... yeah, because, I mean, it's not as though it, you're going to have people lining up every day to buy gold bricks. Not that they're not popular, but it's kind of... Uh, I mean, first of all, a gold brick is fairly expensive. And secondly, you've got... I don't know. It's, it's not a thing that everybody invests in, even though they should. I'm just saying... It doesn't matter where you're sitting in Canada, uh, silvergoldbull.ca, that's how you go about it. So, they're, they're uh, and of course they're in the United States as well, if you're listening from there. But uh, here in Canada, silvergoldbull.ca, uh, cool Alberta story, because I mean it started out of Rocky Mountain House, which I think is super cool. Um, you got Ignite Distribution, that's Shane Stafford. And he's out of Wainwright, Alberta. He always, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna steal a little bit of your time, Shane, for, for the mashup. He does a lot of things community-wise. So, when it comes to community events, he always loves to give up his spot to uh, let us talk about some things. So, um, it, today being Friday, tonight means we're in Irma, Alberta. Doors open 6:30, 7:30 yep. uh, p.m. is a show start. Um, we might have a, a guest surprise. I, I, I hate to say that because it hasn't been. It hasn't been confirmed just yet, but we're working on it to see if we can get a one extra out. Regardless, it should be a fun night. 7.30 p.m., all the proceeds are going to uh, a family who lost their house in a fire from the community, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, you got McGowan, professional chartered accountants, and uh, Kristen and team. I don't know. Do you use an accountant, too? Yes, but not... I do kind of a hybrid, if you will. So I put together a whole bunch of it. We were talking actually about my accounting method uh, a little bit on the way here. I put together most of it and then just get them to you know, make sure it's all ducks in a row. Basically, they've just got to plug and play at that point. Fair enough. Well, I <clears throat> I need somebody to babysit me when it comes to you. So my well, that's, that's what I need because <laughs> I, I left a really big tax write-off off my tax return three, four years ago. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, okay, I'm not going to use quick tax anymore. <laughs> I I need an adult. So I, I can figure most of it out, but I need someone to take a look over it and make sure that I'm not leaving tens of thousands of dollars on the table. When you just need an adult in the room, Krista McGowan, McGowan Professional Chartered Accountant in Lloydminster, McGowan CPA. Uh, .ca. Um, and then finally, Rectech Power Products. Uh, that's Alan Lorenz uh, over on the west side of Lloyd. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Have you seen? You know, I talked to. I, I talked. I've driven by it a million times. I've never popped in there. You never popped in there? Nope. Well, I think no, they're right on Range Road Twenty, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. West Side of Lloyd, beautiful showroom. They got tons of things. You know, like um, you know, it was like uh, there's a spider, like the the motorbike with like the two wheels in the front. And it's kind of like and you know, no single wheel on the back. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they got those. And we were talking about it. I I didn't realize this, but you know, like you can as long as you're with somebody who has their their bike license, you can go out with them. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, that's pretty much like riding a big ATV on the road. And he's like, well, kind of, but not quite. And I'm like, so we can take one of those out together. He's like. Well, yeah, you, we could test drive it because you, you, you know, if, if you're looking, I'm like, oh, man. So See, that's just, the problem is you go in there and you're like, oh, this is cool. Oh, this is cool. And I know enough about so that's me. So that that's why I, you're I'm just like, it. Well, yeah, it's it's one of those things where you just think, okay, well, I'm good where I'm at right now. And, yeah, I'd be pretty happy if I went there, but I would be sorely tempted to buy a boat. <laughs> or a Sea-Doo pontoon boat. And sometimes I need an adult. Yes, when you need adults to make choices for you, Rectech Power Products, RectechPowerProducts.com. That's uh, that's what they do. It's just a bunch of adults in the room uh, when you got morons like us, you know. I think I got it right. I hope I didn't miss anyone because if I did, I apologize, and we'll get you squared up in a different way, and I'll I'll die on that grenade or jump on it, I guess, uh, for whatever company. If I did miss them, because I'm, I'm racking my brain right now, but we're on the road again, and as you okay. can tell, we're right into things. Well, so. how about the T-bar one tail of the tape? It's not. It's 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 not the T bar one anymore. It's the uh, Hancock Petroleum. Oh, sorry. Pardon me. Sure. Well, what's the Hancock Petroleum tail of the tape? This. It's a good question. Um, the tail of the tape wouldn't. I, I'd have never done a tail of the tape on myself before. Oh, I'm gonna do one as, on you as soon as we're done. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, let me think about this. You know we're recording, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, <clears throat> podcaster, political dissident, mm-hmm. and co-host of the Tuesday Mashup, two hundred twenty-two minutes, also known as Twos. All right, we got a great guest coming for you today. Resident of Hillmont, Saskatchewan, small town boy. He's been a full-time podcaster for some time now. Well known for his events across Alberta, saying things hurt his brain. And fumbling every possible last name. I'm talking about Sean Newman. So buckle up. Here we go. Here we go. Me and Two's been um, uh, we've been talking a lot of different things this morning. We're gonna get to some of that. We got about uh, <clears throat> I don't know. We'll see an hour hour and uh, change before we get back to Lloyd. But uh, first and foremost, um, as you're listening to this, I hope you're coming to the 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 Tuesday mashup final live show in Irma, Alberta. Final so far. Correct for the year. This we're, is this is the, for we're wrapping up the world tour here tomorrow night. Yeah, and uh, it's a Friday night in Irma at Albert Hall. Uh, if you go on Twitter, Facebook, or uh, Instagram, uh, you can see the exact location, how to get there, and there's no cover co- no cover charge. Uh, they're just taking donations. The donations are going uh, for this family who lost uh, their house in a fire. And then Tuesday and I at the end of the show will have uh, some merch. And uh, certainly, if you want to buy a T-shirt, they're kind of like limited edition. Um, we haven't, uh, you know, we we haven't had any merch come out until very recently. So um, that's been a fun little uh, journey of, of selling some shirts at shows and everything else because well, we kind of just pulled that out of our, you know, pulled that out of a hat, and uh, and now we've been having some fun with it. And we were we were looking at it, we're even like, gave one to your dad. He looked pretty good in it. Yeah, yeah, he did. And you know, it's just funny. I was 
looking around and you're like, oh, we're, we're, we're already running out of sizes and we still have another show to do yet. So been fairly overwhelmed, I guess, with the, with the positive response. Pretty happy with that. Well, we're trying to convince right now. Well, I'm, not, I'm, I'm gonna. We're gonna see by the end of this hour if I've convinced somebody to come or not. So we'll see. But uh, I think there'd be a couple people in attendance, um, whether it's from Lloyd or or Irma or Wainwright. Uh, Camrose is another one where I think a couple people are coming in. We got a couple people driving in from West Side Edmonton. So Irma should be an interesting interesting night. I'm hoping you know like uh, Lumsden. <clears throat> Lumsden was uh, a full house, right? Yeah. Wasn't a table that was empty. And it was a cool, like, first, like, okay, this is what it is. But last night in Hank's Tavern in uh, Bradwell, Saskatchewan, which is honestly about 20 minutes 20, 20 minutes out of Saskatoon. Yeah, probably about that. Like, for the people in Lloyd, it's like driving out to Hillmont, except when you get to Hillmont, there's this Hank's Tavern. It, you know, the original bar is 1908. Hank, who owns it now, has ran it for the last 14 years. In the middle of COVID, she stayed open, and it became like this kind of freedom bar, if you would. And I'm like, why is no? Why have I never heard of this place? Because it's cool, you know. Um, uh, Very nice, well set up place, clean. Hank, who was short for Henriette, I think, right? Henriette. She yep. said that the uh, wife of the drummer of the Northern Pikes gave her that nickname when they were bartending together in Confed in Saskatoon back in the day. Yeah. Cleanest bathrooms I think I've ever seen in any restaurant. I'm talking like you go into any of the, the upscale restaurants, you know, like sometimes you can go in and you're like kind of stinks, kind of like, what was that? The trash isn't taken out, et cetera, et cetera. Here's this old bar, decorated to the to the nines for Halloween. Mm-hmm. Got a big Halloween bash going on there. And then she has no idea who we are. So we walk in, you know, we're sitting there talking. And yeah, uh, yeah it's basically, like, can I help you? Yeah, we're here for the show tonight. <laughs> we're here for the show tonight. Yeah, you're a little early. No, no, no. It's, it's, we're, we are, we are the show, I guess we should say. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And um, so I guess what I'm, I'm getting to is uh, uh, if you are heading towards Saskatoon, you should do yourself a favor and stop in and see Hank. Tell her we sent you. And yeah. um, and, and just saddle up to the bar for one and, and meet Hank and, and carry on and, you know, and like say thank you for what you did. Because by all accounts from the people we heard around Clavette, Allen, Saskatoon, they all said the same thing. In the middle of COVID, in the darkest days, she let everybody she in. She was the guiding light. That's right. Yeah. And it's just little, little tiny uh, sideways H-shaped bar. That um, great. I mean, the nice thing for us is it was easy to fill it. It was. Yeah. It was fun. But there was literally people around one of the corners of the H who were there listening, even though they couldn't even see. Yeah, it was standing room only last night. Now, it, you know, it'd be like playing a junior A game in the Hillmont Arena versus the yeah. Civic Center, right? Like the Civic it's, Center, you get you get a thousand people in there. Yeah, it's full. You put a thousand people, if you could, in the home on rink, and it is jammed, and it is everybody on top of each other. We played in the home on rink last night. It was a cool, cool atmosphere. And if you go there Monday nights, um, apparently she's gonna start streaming the mashup live. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, which is super cool. I think that'll be the first bar that does it. I don't know. I don't know how many other bars want to do it, but you all should. (laughs) Yeah, if you got a bar and you're listening, so everybody here is a bar owner. Start doing it. Yeah, Monday Monday nights the Tuesday mashup. Anyway, yeah. So two shows in. What what, are you, what have been your thoughts, Tuz? I'm still not great at reading crowds, and especially like last night, just the way they had the lights set up, which was good for everybody because they could see us really well. But we couldn't see back into the crowd, and it's funny because I was like, I don't know, are we dying? You know, are are we? Because I don't hear too well either, so I'm not even sure how much people are laughing. And 
you know, you kind of realize actually partway through that, oh, no, 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 this is, this is totally working, and everybody seemed really happy about it, and I had a group of buddies there who, if it sucked, they would have been the first one to tell me, and they would have raised the shit out of me over it, and they thought it was really good and well done, and so, you know, when you got those guys you know for 20 years who are going to be your toughest critics telling you that it was well done. I don't know. You, you know you've got something, I guess, is what I should say. Yeah. Um, and that's that's what we're we're, we're working. It's, it's it's a it's a thing of um, uh, s- small improvements. Uh, Cooper uh, Trupal. Trupal. No, there's no. It's T R O P E A U. Tropal. Okay. This is what I did. I I, I teased him at the start because I'm like, I keep trying to say his last name. I can't do it. But they've got French roots, so you know how you know how Tuz feels about the Quebec, or Fucking the, Quebec, the, the yeah. French, I should say. Um, regardless, um, uh, he got up there after, so it's the first time we've ever had like you know. So the first night it was just an hour. We got up stage, hour and fifteen actually, and then it was just done. That was it. it you know, the karaoke came back on, whatever. Everybody sat around and had a couple drinks and whatever. And there were no karaoke afterwards. Well, they had the, the machine going. I would have totally done that if I'd have noticed. And and last night we had we actually had Cooper uh, get up on stage and sing for a bowl, probably an hour, hour and fifteen. Man, he, you know, he, he did he, did some covers. He did some Coulter Wall. He did some Ol- Oliver it, man. Oliver Anthony. He did some of his own music, and it was just it was good. It was foot tapping music. Like he did a really good job. So that was um that was a really cool part too because it added in a little bit extra. We were done, and then he came on, and and we were the opening act in our own show, which yeah, was, you know, it's yeah, funny. we we finally get our own show. And we're opening for somebody else, even in our own show. <laughs> um, but it was it was fun. It was a it was a cool night. And so uh, thanks to everybody who you know. I, I talked to the the first uh, time we were on here about Henry and and uh, you know, Jamie Sinclair and and of course uh, you know all the group that came from all over the place. You know uh, in in Lumsden and um, yeah yeah I don't know. There's just a ton of people on the podcast and some sponsors. You know Ariel Garden Girl was there and, and just the fact that good people showed up and it was really cool and so in we drive out to uh first it's a farm near allen we went to blake uselman's and you know his they funny rolled st- out the red carpet red, rolled out the red carpet for us you know i've never he's like you know they, somebody's like well how do you know blake i'm like I, uh, I don't know the podcast right and blake's going yeah we've never met before i've texted him a few times and just happy, you know. We listen to him, so we, we feel like I, we I know met him. Sean's dad, but yeah. I haven't. <laughs> yeah. Well, the funny story is he's in Mexico, and a guy gets him, says, "Hey," stops him and his wife, and says, "Hey, uh, could you take a picture of us?" And so they get talking, and here it's my parents. You know, it's like small world, and so that's that's the place we went for uh, um, supper before the show last night. We got to shoot some uh, skeets out in the in the yeah. field, and and it was just it was pretty cool. And it was very cool. I was hoping you were going to miss a few more, so that there was just a very clear differentiation. Like, I just wanted to absolutely massacre you, but it ended up being pretty close. <laughs> it ended up being pretty close. Uh, that's that's uh, putting it easy on twos. Anyways, um, uh, we uh, a shout-out to Callan and his wife, Sherry. Right, Sherry? Uh, they put us up last night, and uh, it was Henry and Terry the first night. And so we've been we've been fed way too well. We've been treated oh, way too good. And it's, it's well. been it's been fun in Saskatchewan. I'm excited for Irma, and Irma obviously being uh, as you're listening to this tonight. So we're we're heading there. We're gonna have things set up, and it should be a fun evening. And hopefully, people come and, and enjoy. Yeah, it's. We were talking about sort of the. Did we talk about the small town effect on the last one? I don't know. When we were recording. Uh, possibly. Okay. Well, never mind then. Next thing. No, no, no we can talk about no. the small town town effect. Oh, well, I was just thinking about how. 
when I lived in Saskatoon way back in the day, whenever there was some kind of a small town event nearby, anybody who went to it, presuming that it was something they really enjoyed, you know, rodeo dance or whatever else, right? You'd just be like, oh man, it was awesome. It was so good. And then you you had all this kind of hype around this event because not a lot of people heard about it and because it was so much fun and then you wanted to go to the one afterward right like the Lee Park Rodeo and Lloyd same kind of thing you always if you were if you were stuck working you always heard about it afterwards and I think that I hope and I think that it's going to be a little bit of that well I tell you when I when I sent out the pictures on social media and stuff like when I look at it I'm like man it was full full house both nights like last night it definitely felt like it was a low ceiling tight room uh, you know like once again playing in the Hillmont bar like it was it was a ton of fun and but the vibe in both of them is like that was a night that you know maybe it happens next year but you you just don't know what the future brings there's three of them for 2023 there's three shows and uh, the final one is Irma mm-hmm. and in a small town you hope you know it's hockey season and everything else so you, you know there's going to be some people that just can't make it and things like that but uh, uh, certainly as far as the Tuesday mashup goes um we're not doing this again until 2024. 2024, yeah. Although, I mean, it's pretty easy to say when it's practically November. No, but, uh, yeah, but I mean, there's going to be some things. There's going to be some people who have family commitments and stuff. Like, there was a guy who was hanging out with us all afternoon, but he couldn't make the show because he wasn't willing to put his kid up for adoption so that he could come watch the show, and so he had to stay and look after. That's funny. i got people texting me right now wondering what time the show in Irma is tomorrow. So it sounds like there's going to be a few uh, a mm-hmm. few people there, which will be, uh, will be a lot of fun. Yeah, I know my phone's kind of been going off. I got some stuff I got to check with. It's interesting. When Nick was on here a few weeks ago and he was talking about how, maybe not a big part, but a decent chunk of of doing this sort of thing is making sure that people are aware and of the details. You son of a bitch. You better not backwash in that. Apparently Sean and I are just at a new level of familiarity where he's going to drink my fucking Gatorade. Tastes good. <laughs> I'm parched. Yes. So anyway, I haven't been drinking in. <clears throat> I was saying this to Ken called this. Are you this going through puberty? Ken called this. Morning. Ken Ken called this morning, and he goes, oh, "How things going?" I'm like, "Well, I've been battling. I, I I started sober October. So what am I now? 25, 26 days in, whatever it is. Yeah. I've been sick the entire month, pretty much. Which should tell you something. Uh. I feel like after these past two nights that I have the hangover. Like, I'm just like, I'm tired. Got a headache. I'm worn out. And, yeah, I just drank two's Gatorade, and it was just a glass of heaven. Like, that right there was beautiful. Yeah. See, I'm I'm doing all right. Uh, I'm a little tired just from everything leading up to me getting out here. Uh, that was a little bit draining. But, yeah, as far as that goes, I'm, I'm good to keep going. Right. I got a buddy in Lloyd, and he's probably going to want to hang out tonight, but I can't because if if we hang out tonight, I'll probably be waking up just in time to go on stage. Oh, you don't have to go on stage until 7.30 tomorrow. It's not like That's what I said. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, you know, we were having – okay, well, I'm going to I'm gonna run the clock. So me and Tuz talked all this morning, so this is the afternoon we're driving. And Tuz probably has his thoughts on where this conversation is going, but I found this fascinating. So – I go to twos, and you brought up Nick Von Dubs, and for a lot of people, the Nick Von Dubs was a really interesting conversation. And twos is along the road here has been saying, you know, like uh, when we talk to different people, oh, do you listen to Sean's podcast? Because you know, like I've been listening lots, and you know, he's had some very interesting guests. And I, I, I finally said twos on the ride this morning. I said, you know, 
you've uh, you have never asked me about uh, the whole Jesus thing, and so we've been having this discussion because Tuz is an atheist, although I would say agnostic. And I was wondering if we could carry on that discussion at least for a couple seconds here. Well, it's almost over. Do you think it's really over? I said everything. Did we? (laughs) I don't know. uh, I'm going to make Tuz uncomfortable. I'm as as comfortable as... you're not going to make me uncomfortable. Basically, the thing about it is, is Sean was wondering why I hadn't... Yeah, why he hasn't... Why I haven't broached the subject. And, you know, it's it's the kind of thing I used to... Talking to I used to be quite involved with this stuff and what do you mean quite involved uh, Sunday school teacher used to do the children's message can uh, you imagine twos giving the children's message folks what up I bet you I bet you made that interesting I did actually yeah uh, a lot less f-bombs well obviously but I mean like I, I to me I'm like you know if there's one thing twos doesn't you don't go lightly into any situation so I can just imagine Sunday school was a was a real riot it was quite interesting, and because I, I didn't really have a whole lot of format, and I was teaching some of the older kids. And How so, old are you at this point? I'm 41. No, 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 no. When you're teaching, sorry. Man, you're so literal. Sorry, I heard you wrong. <laughs> <laughs> We're driving in a car, and I heard you wrong. I apologize. <laughs> I would have been, I don't know, plus or minus a couple years, because it was going on for a while, but 20. Okay, so you're 20, and when you say so, older kids, so like you're talking late teenagers, teens, early 20s, no, like, like the grade six, five, six. Oh, kids, okay, okay, right? okay. Painting me a picture. And, and so, I was like, well, you know, I mean, we got this lesson, and it's it's pretty easy. Here's some of the cool notes, because I guess even back then, I was good at running through a lot of information quickly in terms of meetings and instruction, whatever else. And I was like, but I, I was challenging them to get them to pick my brain you know what kind of stuff sure i've got this this module we can go through but what's interesting you know, what what stuff do you want to learn about what what questions have you always wanted to ask right and that's that's one of the things that i found really difficult was that i was interested in asking a lot of questions and there was so much stuff where i was just taking on blind faith and you're like well you never want to just pull this thread see where it goes try and explore it like oh no 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 i'm just not going to question any of it and yeah it was so anyway as far as shaw goes i i think it's wonderful that he's getting into it it's it's not for me and i've seen a lot of people get some really positive outcomes from moving in that direction and for moving towards jesus christ and i don't really want to I'd like to see him you know, it's funny. get fulfillment out of it it's, it's as funny. opposed to me it's funny. souring like, the experience with my own opinion of, they're, they're, of I was teasing it's not la- mine. I was teasing last night that uh, Tuz was a little hungover and he, he was a little docile, you know, like in a, in a relationship with the wife, you know, is unrelenting and finally you're just like, okay, hon, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do whatever. So last night I was like, I, was, I, I felt like I was wearing the pants the relationship for the second show because Tuz was just... <laughs> <laughs> he was a little docile to start, so I was poking him, prodding him, whatever. And it's funny, I just go, I don't know if I've ever seen Twos cry and dance the mic a little bit. You're dancing the mic a little bit, and that's interesting. Do I have Twos uncomfortable? No, you don't You don't really have me uncomfortable. It's just, it's interesting to try and figure out how I can, I've never really tried to articulate this very much. And so I'm trying to come up with 
neither have I. On this side, on the flip side, I've never tried to articulate it that much either. That's what's uncomfortable. Right. And so, anyway, it's it's a departure from what I usually I'm usually used to, which is I've thought about whatever we're talking about in current events. I have a stance where I have a lack of a stance, and I have a justification for it that I've reasoned through, and the exploration for this stuff has been an inner monologue it hasn't been about how i can express it and it's it's also interesting because i'm not really trying to convince anybody one way or another i'm just trying to say hey this is where i'm at and well well, and the thing was is that's not where my question came this morning because what happened was uh, how this all starts folks is my mom starts texting me saying we're swearing too much and i'm like swearing too much oh i don't even know what she's talking about and twos is like the show and i'm like she wasn't at the show last night he's like moron we were talking on the podcast yesterday, and I'm like, "Oh, all right, uh, you know." And, and so I don't know how we got down this. And finally, I just said, "You know, you've never asked, because you know, like we do a ton of things. You listen to me a ton, mm-hmm. it, you know." And I was saying it's similar to COVID. So my, I got lots of good friends who, uh, in the middle of COVID, are still good friends or acquaintances. It doesn't even just mean, I don't mean like uh, my nearest friends, like just acquaintances. Then in the middle of COVID, they had to have known where I stood. Like, they, they just had to, but they never, ever brought the subject up. And if they didn't want to bring it up, I was fine. I wasn't going to ram it down their throat. I, that's fully fine, you know? And I ever since ever since I started talking about Jesus, it's the same way. Some people, so in COVID, if you knew what the way I stood, some people, we walk in a room and they, they see you and they come running over, shake your hand, and, and they want to have a chat, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure, too, you have the same experience with certain things. Yep. And that was COVID. And some other people would well, shake your hand, be cordial, but they'd never bring up COVID. They'd talk about you know, sports or, or you know, maybe uh, going out and hunting or whatever the you know the weather or whatever, right? And now this Jesus thing is interesting because certain people, there's two last night, came up immediately wanted to talk about it, and that's interesting. And then there's the whole bunch of people that shake your hand and want to talk about lots of different things, but never that. And I go, oh, it's interesting. And so what I was saying to two is, this, why have you never asked? Just curiosity. That's all. I'm not. I'm not trying to uh, uh, ram it down your throat. And I don't. You know, when you're like, I'm. You know, I don't need to convince you. I'm like, no, I don't want you to convince you. I'm just kind of curious of why something that we never talk about. Now, in the mashup, it makes sense. The mashup doesn't have. Uh, yeah, it's it's, it's not, not as conducive. though there's breaking news. It's not as though Jesus is showing well, up dude. in random places all over the, and we've we've got to cover that as as a weekly thing, right? Well, I mean, when the aliens were coming, uh, uh, there was a video circulating on Twitter that Jesus had arrived, and it was like a hologram in the sky. Oh. Did you see that? I thought about bringing that up to you, but I just chuckled about it. I mean, so, you know, you say Jesus and everywhere, and I'm like, I can hear some people, and they might might argue with you. Well, there's going to be people who are going to say, well, what about things like stigmata or whatever else, right? What about when he shows up at a slice of bread or a tomato or... When, when statues start bleeding or whatever else, right? Um, You're just against it all. No, I'm not against it all. It just uh, it doesn't resonate with me. I feel like there's there's not really anything that I would have any issues explaining from a scientific standpoint. So here's here's what and this is what I was trying to get out of you this morning, and I, I still don't know. I'm, I'm I'm actually trying to. At what point do you go from teaching Sunday school? Can you like pinpoint a day? Is it not a day? Is it is it a series of years where you go? This is all a bunch of malarkey, and I'm not into it. Not that it's all a bunch of malarkey. I'm not. I'm not shit talking any of this stuff. 
I don't, I don't saying, mean. I don't mean. I'm to just make saying it. that. I don't mean you, to make it out like you're shit talking it. You just don't believe in it. You, you, well, you're, you're agnostic or atheist. Meaning, you start you learning not. about other religions. You see some of the threads of commonality. How they all develop the same way. How you got this survivorship bias based on or inherent in the stories there. Like Jordan Peterson loves to talk about, especially the Old Testament stuff. And this is touching on what we were discussing before, but you guys haven't heard it yet. Is I'll talk about how well crafted a lot of the Old Testament stories are. You're like, well, of fucking course they are, because these are stories that were literally told for thousands of years. So you're gonna have this this implicit honing of it as as they get passed down where people are going to drop the parts that don't tell very well and they're going to tweak and improve even with phrasing and things like that the stuff that does work well and then you're going to end up with a, a very well crafted story that is going to stand the test of time and people are going to say okay well what about the Dead Sea Scrolls they, they did a lot of verification of the fact that the oral history and the written history track really well well, they do up to a certain point, but there's still a thousand years of unwritten stuff before that. And, you know, just, just as a random example, right? Where, like, okay, well, this, this, it makes sense that it came out this way, right? It stands to reason that the biggest religion in the world is shaped this way if you looked at what it would have been in terms of a natural evolution and why things like Zoroastrianism, for example, which is the first religion to have uh, a messianic figure born of a virgin, has more or less died out entirely. So, once again, I, I just... I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm dense. I could be dense. So what you're saying is you did a ton of research and you came to the conclusion... It's not as though I was... It was just, it was something that I was really interested in and I wanted to learn more about it. And then as I learned more about it, I was just thinking, and then, well, not literally meditating, but meditating on this stuff and and trying to process it. And you're looking through more and more of it. You're like, the more I learn about this, the less I think it's for me. Hmm. Because I'm not, you know, one of the things I was asking too is, does it bother him that I, I... like, certainly have I learned about uh, Zoroastrianism. Uh, it's funny you say that word. I remember learning about it in college. And, and you know, there's some other things I've learned. But, like, on, on the... In Wisconsin? Yeah. And on the grand scheme of things, I am about uh, a zero knowledge on all this. And for me, I've just done some things. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> okay. I like that. I'm going to keep doing that. And we'll see what it does. And this is where, you know, you judge a tree by the fruit it bears. To me, it's like, okay, that makes sense. That actually makes a lot of sense. And so then you just start playing it out. And I've been playing it out now for, I don't know, eight months. It's a little more than that. It's a little less than that. I don't know if it really matters. I don't know all the ins and outs. I certainly haven't looked into um, all the different isms or religions or anything. I just go, maybe they're all going the same direction. Maybe they all end at the same thing. But, uh... Geez, I feel like I've struck on one. Like this makes sense to me, and so I'm, I'm like the complete opposite of you, because I yeah. grew up in a I grew up in church all my life, hated it, left there, never had an inkling of it, any, and here I am all the way back again. And I go, huh, that's a that's a really interesting thing. And so I'm just curious. That's all, because we sit and we talk it a lot, but when you, you know, <clears throat> with friends in COVID, and I always come back to COVID, because like. 
certain friendships could handle it. Certain friendships could not handle it. Mm-hmm. Certain times you couldn't get it out the right way where it just you weren't so irritated with the other person and them irritated with you. But when we don't <laughs> talk about things that are really important, we put ourselves into places like COVID, like where bad things are happening. We're not talking about it. Now, I don't, do, do I know if that's not talking about religion? I just know it's important. And it seems to be important to me right now. And uh, I was just curious. That, so I'm oh, yeah. just letting so, the listener in on what we were talking about this morning. Basically for me, on this particular subject, we're going in or going or have gone completely opposite trajectories. Right? And I, would say so, and yes. I think that I think that where you're going, there's a lot of really good possibility for you to get a lot of really good fulfillment, sense of community, knowledge, uh, expand your personal faith. There's there's a lot of upsides to where you're going and what you're doing. And it's not my jam, I guess. And so I don't want to run the risk of souring the experience for you. And this is where I get to. I uh, This is just me personally. And, and Maybe I'm wrong on this. Yeah, I don't think you could sour it. I don't think there's anything you can say. Absolutely. Because you could be a, right? you could be the opposite. You could be a devout Christian right now. And you could you could you could, you could you almost could sour, sour it for it. somebody. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Right? And like me, and, me and Tanner Nadei had this argument the first time I was on. I'm like, you know, the, the, all the talk of Armageddon. What really bothers me is it feels like COVID. You got to get this. You got to. You're gonna die. You got to. You got to do this. People have been saying that about everything that happens for the last couple thousand years, though. In all fairness, this is this is Armageddon. We're living in unprecedented times. There's never going to be anything like this again. People were saying it about the Black Plague. People have said it about so many things. This is right out of Revelation. You. You hear it quite a lot, and it never comes true. It's <laughs> at the risk of making very, at the risk of making a lot of people shut this off right now. It sounds kind of a lot like climate change predictions, right? Uh, and uh, that's so you run into this. Do you think? Do you think you can offend the podcast audience? Well, you can. I'm sure you can offend them. But do you think you about you can, this? I probably could. Sure. I'm not in, I'm not trying to to be clear, right? But No, no, no. But I when understand. I say but that, I'm I'm the one I'm the one pushing on you to talk more about it because we were having an interesting chat before we stopped and visit with your father, and I'm yeah. like I'm kind of wanting to pick that back up because I think it might you know, rehashing what we'd happened last night and everything is, is interesting and all just to give everybody an update. What we were talking about this morning was really interesting to me. And I keep saying I don't care what comes out of two's mouth. And I I'd hope there's a lot of people like this. You know, like it's not going to change what I've experienced and what I've been no, learning and no, everything else. Absolutely, and but I I'm am sure curious about it because I'm I respect sure there's a your lot opinion. of people who, even when I said that, they're like, "Well, this is different," or something like that. And that's fair. Look, I'm not I'm not going to take it away from you. All I'm saying is that there's been quite a lot of people over a long time period who've had the same thought in the same direction about a completely different topic, right? And so it's it's interesting and it's difficult because you've you've got this this book where you're you're reading it and you're looking for meaning in your life and it's a pretty big book and it's pretty easy to find things that are going to have corollaries to where you're at in life where the world is all this different stuff and it's so you think it's it's kind of like um What's the Denzel Washington movie, folks, where he... There's been quite a few. No, no, no. Well, 
The Equalizer? No, come on. We're talking about the Bible, man. The one where... Oh. Book of Eli. Shoot, I know which one you mean, but I can't the, remember the what book it is. The Book of Eli. Oh, Oh, I was thinking of a different one. I never saw that. At the end of the book of Eli, they put the Bible in beside Spoiler. the Quran and everything else, right? It's just another book. Okay. So that's where you're at. No, no, not necessarily. There's there's lots of really good stories in there. There's lots of interesting things. Uh, but why do you I'm say saying, not necessarily? I, I guess I'm not saying it's just another book. I'm saying it's better than a lot of books out there. Like, have you ever read the yeah, but it's, it's, the so it's Twilight a good book. books? It's way better. Yeah, but it, so it's a good book. It's, it's a great book. It's it's a book. I mean, it's a good book. Maybe even the good book, if you will. It's been variously ascribed as that. Right. Uh, I'm just saying, as this particular I'm being, example I'm, I'm goes, being ridiculously hard like, on you. I'm just curious. Of, like The one thing I can't do right now is I can't... It. I don't know why I want to nail you down to this. I'm just trying to figure out... You go, I'm atheist. And then I'm like, man, but you're kind of more like agnostic. You're not saying... There's no God. You're saying you can't prove there's a God. And then we get talking longer, and you go, I, you know, this has been thought, and these things have been thought, and it's this. Okay, fair enough. So it's just a book. Well, maybe not. Okay. No, I'm not so I'm not saying it's got any preternatural powers or anything like that. All I'm, I'm, I'm saying it's a, it's a very good book, but when people are looking for meaning in their lives, and they're looking for meaning in this book, and they try and bring them together, it's really easy to draw parallels to whatever's happening around themselves and you know, oh god is taking an active stance in the war against ukraine or war between ukraine and russia is he probably not have maybe you, he is have you ever had anything in your life that you thought was like no that's the whole point that's that's where i'm going with this there, there hasn't anything. really been anything where i haven't been able to to explain it or reason through it or look at even though we haven't figured by any means nearly all of them out yet, any laws of nature that that have been able to take away... There's not really anything that's, that's left unexplained in any big way that Christianity or anything else can tackle for me. Interesting. You know, one of the things that uh, really bugs me to this day is why when I prayed at 36 years old, I felt heard something back when at 16 when I was like desperately trying to do that nothing talked back that was really interesting to me I mean that's I I'm not in your head I'm not I can't speak to it right all I'm just saying is that from my end this this is this is where I'm at and this is how it's yeah I don't know I appreciate you talking about it yeah. I, I can tell I'm making you uncomfortable and that's that's cool no it's and to be clear, and it's, it's not okay an to be uncomfortable like I'm feeling cagey and I want to dodge the question. It's just that I haven't really thought about articulating it to the point where I could make a compelling representation of my thoughts. In fairness, if you were on the other side asking me all these things, just to give you a little peace of mind, mm -hmm. probably the hardest thing about it is trying to articulate what the heck I'm thinking, right? That's, that's probably and, and, fair. And in fairness... We're talking about something that is so, like, it's very deeply personal. Deeply, I, personal. I'm not saying you're you're getting like I, I have no issues, as far as the sharing of it goes. I just feel like I could be doing it better. Yeah, I'm, well, I think we can always get better. Our shows could get, <laughs> could get better, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, we're like, oh yeah, these have been great shows. It's like, could it be better? Always. 
So, I mean, I don't know. I'm pulling you into an uncomfortable conversation, which is, you know, like uh, a guy who believes in God and a guy who doesn't believe in God. It, I mean, it's, does it get any more... Like, you know, when, when you get married to someone, and I, I want to be clear, when Mel and I went through um, marriage... I'm going to say prep. count. Prep. Thank you. That's the word. They, you know, all these questions they ask, money... I'm like, you haven't, like, in my brain, and Mel and I talked about it, they put us in, you know, they, they give you these big questions, and they put you in a room to go talk about it, and then you got to come back and, and kind of share what you guys talked mm-hmm. about. We had talked about everything, even faith. I just... But not money. But, but, but in fairness, it wasn't framed... No, we talked about everything. Money, oh, kids. Oh, sorry, yeah. But okay. one of the big ones they talk about is faith. Do you believe in God? And at the time, if I would have been honest, I would have said, I don't believe in God. And I don't but know... But you were doing it in a church... Right. Presumably. Well, we were and doing so it in the Catholic Church, and I was fine oh, with it. And I was like, yeah. I was like, yeah, sure. Like, if yeah. this is what I got to do to marry so this woman, I'm willing to do whatever I got to do. You're lying on your taxes so you can get a refund, kind of thing. Except, right. yeah. Okay, I get it. I get it. Yeah. yeah. So, so we're talking about one of the the uh, deal breakers for couples, at least from a church's standpoint. You know, this is a deal breaker, and I would say a lot of people say that is a deal breaker. You do you want to have kids or not? If you never want to have kids and the other person wants five, I can sit here and tell you that's a deal breaker, folks. Right? If somebody is horrendous with gambling, drinking, money, you know, like if you can't... Or, or really, really good at those things. Sure. Or or promiscuity, promiscuity right? Like those are... Those yeah, are promiscuity things. tends to... to put a damper on marriage so i just come to it and it's like well this is an uncomfortable conversation i keep teasing you because i'm just like i guess i'm getting more comfortable with the thought of like having disagreements about if there is or isn't and i guess i go i don't want anybody to ever think that i think i've gotten to the point on this podcast mm-hmm. where no matter what is said by anyone no one person ever makes up my mind anything i just find it interesting and i want to i i think people realize this by now the fact that you come on every week and I give you as much... Um, we share a lot. Yeah. And you've become the only guest who comes on every week. There's no mm-hmm. one else. Like, I respect what you say. I, I have a lot of time for the thoughts coming out of your brain. And I just came back to him. Like, I wonder why he's never asked. It's like, it's very curious. And so, you've shared a lot, and I've held you on it. So, we can move on to something different. I just... Okay. I, um, I was just curious. That's all. Fair enough. All right. Now, it's going to be funny to see, you know, people are going to be coming up to you. So it, it'll be interesting to hear people's thoughts about that. Yeah, sure. I, I don't. I don't know. Like, um, I don't share my thoughts to. Um, com- I don't know. I got to think about that. Do, am I sharing my thoughts to convince others, or am I just sharing my thoughts because it means a lot to me? I, mm-hmm. I, I kind of go with the second one, right? It means a lot to me, mm-hmm. and uh, the things that means a lot to me, I want to share with my friends. Kind of like when the Oilers are having a great season. It's like it's easy to talk about. No, and it if, isn't because it hasn't and happened in decades. And if there's, <laughs> says the guy whose team didn't make the playoffs, and they just honestly, canned everybody. Honestly, they, I, I get the whole Christianity thing because you're wanting the Oilers' <laughs> glory days to be resurrected. Here's the thing is it's been a lot more than three days. <laughs> and that tomb is, is, yeah, the corpse is, yeah. Oh, man. We had talked about wanting to talk about this Alberta pension issue. Yeah, well, I've been getting lots of texts about it, you know, um, on whether it's a good idea, why why for or not. And, I don't know, Tuz, what's your thoughts on uh, Alberta getting its own pension plan? 
Absolutely. But I feel like no one's going to let it happen because it's going to be the pebble at the start of a, at the top of a mountain that turns into a snowball at the bottom. Because if you think about it, so the issue is, is nobody's really disputing the fact that Alberta pays in disproportionately more than they take out. You'll have people like Andrew Coyne when he's on that issue at CBC intentionally misrepresenting it and nobody on them calling them on it, but you got a panel full of people in fucking Ottawa and Quebec who probably don't even understand how it works, so maybe that's conceivable, right? But now you've got the Ontario Finance Minister wanting to have an emergency sit-down Nathan, um, or, or, uh, shoot. The Alberta finance minister, sorry, I, I'm missing his last name, saying, hey, you know what, we, we can sit down and we can have a good faith discussion about this, right? And you got Randy Bessonault saying, well, if you guys leave, there's no coming back. Sounds like a, I don't know, a petulant, shitty spouse. It's like, well, fine then. Just go. You'll be sorry. Meanwhile, you you won't, right? And Trudeau saying in an open letter, he's going to fucking stop it. Right? Why, if it was not in Alberta's best interests, if it was a bad idea for Alberta, do you not think that Trudeau would be like, hey, this is a great idea. You guys should totally fucking do it. Right? The problem is, is that when this happens, either the taxes not that they're literally income tax, but your payroll deductions in the rest of Canada would go up and or the amount of money available to you as a retiree would go down, okay? So the rest of Canada gets put in a situation where they have to start forking out extra money to disproportionately pay for this, right? And so he's going to start leaning on Ontario because that's the next logical one. And it's just going to work out that now Ontario is paying way more into it than they're getting out. And they're going to say, oh, yeah. Okay, so Quebec isn't in anymore. Alberta stopped paying for everything. They want us to pay for it all. That doesn't really work. I think we're going to leave too. Okay, And then the next one's BC. And then Saskatchewan. And then you're left with Manitoba, the Maritimes, and Newfoundland who are either going to all have to be paying a fuck of a lot more than they're used to, getting a lot less, or all of the above. Pretty much the only way I see Trudeau getting out of this is if he stops taking it from being a payroll deduction and starts having it as something that the government just pays for. It just It's just an undifferentiated part of your taxes. Because... <clears throat> If this was to happen, the entire Canada pension plan would fall apart within a few years. And you would have Alberta, Ontario, Saskatchewan, BC having successful provincial ones. And everybody else being not screwed over, but just getting a fair amount, which is a lot less than what they were hoping for. And and then it's going to get the ball rolling. Well, if it's like that with pensions, it's probably like that with a lot of other things. And you're going to have people pulling threads rather than just taking things for granted 
saying, oh, well, this is just how it is. Like, well, what might it look like if, if we were to take care of ourselves a little bit more instead of paying for all of this? For, so that some guy in a home 2,000 miles away can have a more comfortable retirement. Why, why is it coming out of my pocket? What else might this look like? What else would work for that? Nate Horner is the Alberta finance minister. So it kind of just starts these dominoes falling. And like, there's a reason why the, if it was a good idea for Ontario, they wouldn't be wanting to have an emergency meeting to try and stop this. They would be saying, oh, yeah, yeah, go, go nuts. Sure, whatever. Have fun. Right? And... people should realize and recognize this for being what it is which is that if the rest of Canada really wants this to not happen it probably means that Alberta has a valid criticism of the current system and if they have a valid criticism of the current system maybe that should be addressed and their other criticisms of the current systems probably have some veracity contained in them as well. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I don't uh, disagree with anything for the most part what you said. Like, I mean, it's whether or not this can be done or not. and It can absolutely be done. Well, then, I mean... The interesting thing is how it sells. Well, it, so it's just getting people talking about it and getting, in, you know, interested in it. It's like... Honestly, I yawned when you started talking. I'm like, you know, we're at a pension Dick. plan. I just, it's just, it's not this crazy, like, rah-rah thing, except you, you've pointed out it's a very important discussion that Albertans need to pay attention to. It's no different than in the middle of the shows when I bring everybody back to censorship, and you're trying to scoop me along, and I'm going, yeah, I get it. We can go back to laughing here, but for one second, can we talk about well, something that's very important? Just because it was a lot more than one second. You were kind of beating a dead horse last night, and I just wanted to keep it moving. Yeah, but it's funny. Here we are talking about the Alberta Pension Plan, and I, I, I we just scoot along and, and and just make mention of it, mm-hmm. or we can we can take the five minutes we need. Probably to, more than five minutes, because the other interesting question is how no, does no, it no, get but, sold, just, right? How does because Danielle just, Smith, the UCP, they want this to happen, which is good. But now, how do you sell it on people? And I would say that Trudeau did a good job of selling people on it with that open letter, not fully realizing the implications of it. And Danielle Smith is probably slow playing that to see Ontario's finance minister jumps in. Probably a few more people are going to jump in. And then she's going to say, look at all these fish we caught and look what it means. Whereas, I mean, I was surprised that she didn't point out how poorly laid out Trudeau's letter was. But here you go. If she'd have done that right away, you probably wouldn't have the Ontario finance minister jumping in. They would have stood back. And then she wouldn't have nearly as much ammo. So I wonder how long she's going to slow play this before she actually shows that hey, this is all why Alberta is getting a raw deal on this. And what her ultimate... I don't think she's done a great job of selling it thus far. But she surprises me. And so maybe coming out with I would say a fairly tepid awareness campaign is part of a long term awareness campaign I'm not sure 
Well, she's got to play chess. Like, That's the thing. If and there's so, one thing about government we've, we've learned is they play chess with all of us. Mm-hmm. And so I'm and looking at it and wondering how many moves ahead of me she's thinking. Well, she's thinking multiple moves ahead of you. Like, there's no knock on twos. There's no knock on any of you. Like, it's, you know, like, I come back to Saskatchewan. <clears throat> they, um, they get uh, Planned Parented out of the schools. And then immediately they get so, uh, they get uh, sued, right? I don't know how many people paid attention to them getting sued. Everybody was having a victor party because they they had their party parent Planned Parenthood out. Okay, so Planned Parenthood had a breach of contract or what? They're the ones who brought in the A to Z sex cards. So within yes. a week, yes. So, within so a week, now that they're out of now that they're out of schools, do they get a breach of contract? Um, is it is it dispute resolution? I haven't heard about this suing thing. What? So then is they, it, what they does filed it look like an, and why? They filed an injunction saying, I don't know, a human rights violation, is it not? Something about uh, um, trans lives. And, and once again, somebody from I, Saskatchewan is, is on me. But just, just let me finish my thought here. Okay. You keep jumping in on me. Let me finish a thought. And so what I said was, if the Saskatchewan government was smart, because nobody can understand, they said they only had 18 letters of complaint. Mm-hmm. against what happened in Lumsden. Well, they had thousands of people show up and vote against it. We all saw yeah. that that the, the election in Lumsden sent a shockwave through Sask government. 23% mm-hmm. of people in a 70-some percent the previous time conservative voted for the Sask United. That's a big deal. And so yeah. I looked at that, and we all went, well, did, why didn't they bring that up? Why didn't they bring up a bunch of other things? And I said, well, to me, if I'm Scott Moe and the Saskatchewan government, you want what to pretend Paul? that the Sask United Party doesn't even exist. Doesn't exist. And so you go, okay, we're playing chess. We are the governing party. We want to hold power because we believe what we're doing is right. Okay? None of those are like crazy thoughts. That just makes sense. Well, except so if for the go- last part, I would say that it's probably fairly infrequently that politicians believe what they're doing is right. I think that more often than not, they believe what they're doing will get them to continue to receive paychecks. Sure. So, if you look at it, if they if they squash and they send bill, like I mean, look look at the coots for the government doesn't seem to care about what's right or wrong there. They nope. have an agenda and they are holding those guys. It's been six hundred plus days. We're still waiting on this envelope. We're still waiting on all this stuff to see if they're going to get out because they should. So I go. Some law group out of Ontario is suing Saskatchewan government for LGBT two SL reasons. Well. They could probably do the exact same thing and just be like, no, we're not interested and send 10 lawyers in there, 50 lawyers in there, a billion dollars in there if they really wanted to. Mm-hmm. But what they're going to do is they're going to lose the court case. It's going to be, they're just, they're going to gladly concede it. And if you listen to anyone around it, they were ill-prepared. The government was ill-prepared. Well, they of got course steamrolled. they were. They'd- they and, planned and, on and, just and then, slow playing this then, into the fall and hoping people forgot about no, it. No, no. I'm, I'm trying to tell you what I thought would happen. Okay. And what I thought would happen was they lose the court case. Everybody gets riled up again, which is going to grow the Sask United support. And then they come over the top with the notwithstanding clause, and everyone applauds them for it, and it brings support back to Sask United. And that is what played out. Now, I'm not right. saying I'm a genius. I'm saying, to me, that's playing politics. You're going to be given a bunch of opportunities to try and garner support back. And everyone is talking about the notwithstanding clause. Not the getting sued and how poorly you did in court. But how you used force and stood up for parents. And now mm-hmm. they've taken the narrative back. And once again, the Sask United now has to regroup and 
get their stuff in a row because we're we're what a year away from a little over a year away from the election mm-hmm. in Saskatchewan that we're going to cover. Yep. And they have to find a way. If you're the SAS party, they go, we just got to find a way to win the next election because then we get four years again to, you know, to go all the way down. Pass the buck. Right. Figure it out. And in three and a half years, worry about whether you're doing a good job or not. Correct. So when it comes to Danielle Smith, she's one of the most calculated leaders I've seen in our country. Yep. So you, you bet you she's trying to figure out how she gets it put to a referendum where Alberta gets to leave or where the rest of Canada sees the power she wields so that she can pull back a bunch of responsibilities that are already a province's. They are. And this is where it gets really interesting is when you look at what she's been doing or what the Alberta government has been doing in terms of bringing out awareness for this thing, I guess it's not at all what I would think would be the logical response, which is hammer people on the math. Talk about how even if there's a published paper from a socialist economist saying that they're entitled to at best double the amount per, per capita that the rest of Canada is. You know, that's Those are the kind of things that I would expect her to talk about and going gun blazing. And instead, there's been this nothing burger, disappointing, non-starter awareness campaign that's just a few billboards with nothing really snappy or interesting on them. And so I'm looking at it, and I'm saying, generally speaking, whenever Danielle Smith has been doing something that doesn't make a lick of sense to me, it's not like when the NDP are doing it, and I'm like, well, it's because they're stupid. It's because she's thinking further ahead than I am, and I'm not grasping the intricacies of these early stages. That's interesting. That's an interesting observation. Like, so what do you think she's playing out there, Well, like I said before, I think, and then even when Trudeau came out with that letter, I'm like, okay, this is great. He just teed up the biggest softball you could imagine. And she lets it go by. But now all of a sudden, there's two softballs flying at her very slowly with with Ontario now. And uh, Newfoundland was chiming in about it. And so now you're getting more and more ammunition which is tricky because there's such a short shelf life on Canadian politics nowadays. If you're not talking about something within a couple days of it happening, nobody gives a shit anymore. There's nothing more frustrating to me than when we do a mashup Monday night and Tuesday or Wednesday a big story breaks. By the time we're talking about it again, everyone's forgotten or moved on past it, right? Or someone else will have come up with the same ideas about it that we had. But she's collecting these eggs knowing full well that they're going to sour in a little while or at least lose their potency and I'm curious to see why she's doing it and where she's going with it because I'm guessing what what I would do is I would talk about how the fact that these people are worried about losing money for their provinces is because we're giving those provinces more money right and the other thing is, is in terms of the management, so she's getting pushback from the hedge fund company that manages the Canada Pension Plan. And I thought, well, wouldn't it be interesting if one of the ideas being floated around 
was for them to take that exact same money that this company stands to lose a lot of annual income from managing said we're going to keep it with the Canada pension plan in the same allocations with the same company but it's ours and not theirs so the NDP argument of they want to steal your pensions we're not touching it we're literally following whatever the direction is of the Canada pension plan it's just that the differentiation of whose money is what changes because it, it completely invalidates the ludicrous argument that the NDP have which is you can't trust these politicians to manage your pension you have to trust those politicians to manage your pension and so I don't know there's there's a few different neat options that they could explore and I imagine that over the next little bit it's going to be a little bit of almost what the liberals do where they'll just have people float ideas and they'll see what gets picked up and what gets handled but part of what Daniel Smith likes to do is take away the NDP's teeth on things before they realize that there's something they're interested in biting and she hasn't done that with this and again the logical thing would just be like well what if we just managed it the same way but changed whose money it was the NDP has no more counter argument anymore but she hasn't done that she hasn't even floated the idea why not I'm sure she thought of it if I've thought about it she has so why is none of this happening yet what's the slow play you've been quiet for a very long time well I just to me if I could put you know like I'm I'm sure there's ramifications of pulling out, bringing all the things back to Alberta, Saskatchewan, pick your province. But the truth of the matter is, at this point, I don't trust anything Ottawa touches. So sending them any of our stuff, I'm just not, I'm not interested in it anymore. Mm-hmm. And so... I'm not saying it's a good idea. I'm just saying it's an interesting idea to explore. Yeah, sure. I just look at it and I go... I'm probably on the far whatever side of this where I just go it can't happen fast enough yeah honestly like have, me, the, ref, have the referendum I'll put my vote in and if you know they they don't use electronic voting machines or whatever and we, we come out and, it, and they don't want it I'll go well I, I mean that sucks but I think we should be pulling everything we can back to Alberta back to the provinces because this is a big you know think of a bargaining table and right now we have no bargaining chips like we're this small little we we don't even get a seat at the table we don't have we're, we're sitting on the way. outside listening to the meeting sometimes not even in the meeting yeah we don't have any way to affect outcome in all meanwhile we're, we're giving them the it's, largest share yep right and so i just go like to me i like what danielle smith has done i don't you know are you always going to agree with everything a politician does and says no but overall out of any politician in canada right now thankful I have Daniel Smith and so you go if we can find a way to pull back more so we can you know she can do and protect us and push against the Canadian government mm-hmm. I'm all for it yep for the record I don't care what an Alberta pension plan would look like the answer is yes it could literally just be yeah we're going to take all the money and burn it <laughs> okay at this point yes I like that idea better 
than Ottawa holding it over us. What do you think of Quebec trying to separate? Or not trying to separate, I should say. Well, you got the party Quebecois trying to put forth a separatist timetable. It's interesting how you say this about, for example, the pensions. Quebec can do something, but it's evil when Alberta wants to. But but who thinks it's evil? Oh, just the establishment, status quo, so, who's so stand the, to lose. So, so the, essentially, who owns the establishment? The liberals. And where is the liberal stronghold? Ottawa, Quebec. So doesn't Windsor, it? So doesn't it stand? Toronto. I don't even know why it bothers you. Quebec doesn't get harassed because because they vote liberal, and the liberals hold power, and the liberal and stronghold to, is that area. The liberals need to keep Quebec happy, and that's so the that old they guard. Keep going. And so all the old guard doesn't. They don't. Nobody gets upset with them because they control everything, and they're the old guard, and they're mm-hmm. protecting their interests. So it's like, to me, at this point. Who cares what they think? I sure don't. But there's this illusion they try to create that their way of thinking is mainstream. And maybe it is where they are. But it really drops off as soon as you get to the entire half of the country that doesn't grow maple trees. And so, anyway, it just... You've got all these people in Quebec. Remember, they had 50.01 wanting to stay it was a razor-thin margin on separation a generation ago. And now you've got people who are saying, hey, we want to be our own country. I say have at it, right? Look at all the equalization. Look at all of the wealth transfers. Everything that happens that is just sending money to Quebec so they quit fucking bitching about everything. And a lot of them don't realize how high the number of dollars we send is and if that goes away right this this whole thing with randy bissonal and saying hey if you guys leave it's a one-way ticket if quebec's leaves it's a one-way ticket but we would love to pack their bags for them you think have you talked to a bunch of uh quebec folk not politicians i know some people in quebec and what do they think the ones that I talk to think that there's a lot of Quebecers that get force-fed slanted media and have no idea about equalization. And and so they legitimately think that they end up paying for a lot of stuff in the rest of Canada, but without ever actually looking at the math. They just take it on blind faith and never read up their own research. And so <clears throat> they're in a situation where a lot of the support for Quebec separatism is based on shitty math and uh, an almost arrogant sense of entitlement and it's not really arrogant in that they're being braggadocious it's this arrogance of assuming that you're right and never really having anybody question you on it because what the fuck do you know right just just this belief that somewhere in your marrow is the righteousness without ever asking yourself if it's correct or not. And so the whole Quebec thing is interesting because the politicians have to be aware of this on some level. But again, maybe not because the NDP, you'd think that they'd have to be aware of how disastrous their economic policies are, and yet they still push them. So I I wonder if there's a bit of a combination in the party Quebecois where, where they're just thinking some of them know that it's good for votes. Some of them may fervently fervently believe it just be useful idiots 
But I feel like at that level where it's the politicians rubbing shoulders with each other, they don't really want to leave Canada. They just want to dangle the possibility in front of the rest of Canada. So Canada says, oh, wait, 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 wait. What if we, what if we bought you a few more roads? What if we bought you a few more pavers? What if we helped you develop some new civil construction project? Oh, yes, uh, that would be, uh, how you say? Uh, bien. And then they move forward with it. And then when they, they've got to pay for a bunch of extra shit again, they don't know how they're going to do it, they say, well, it'd be a damn shame if we had to leave, wouldn't it? And then someone from Ottawa is going to come to their rescue and say, whoa, whoa, whoa hold up. And I don't know, it's the same thing. We've been talking about protesters and how the next time someone glues their hand to a freeway, you don't rush in and save them and cut the glue and get them off in an ambulance because it just keeps happening and it keeps happening. What you really need to do is just set up some fucking pylons so that the traffic can drive around it and after that guy's shat himself a few times, he's going to learn his lesson. And we need to let Quebec shit themselves instead of just shitting all over us. But I don't think it'll ever happen because even the guys who push for it are probably going to know deep down that if they actually get what they purport to be chasing, they're going to fuck over the entire province and never ever be politically viable again. And there's nothing more important to a politician than getting elected and re-elected. Dude, you're doing a lot of thinking and not a lot of talking. Am I Boyd Anderson in this conversation? <laughs> no, I. Um, it's just inter- it's just interesting to me. I'm, I'm thinking about the our entire conversation, you know, as you talk, and I'm like, and like, we have such views on Quebec, but it's actually just a handful of Quebecers. Yeah. And then there's certainly you know, there's some Quebecers that understand equalization payments and maybe how that goes along, sure. Um, but but the just, Quebecers who do understand, they just want to just scream at a wall whenever they hear this malarkey, right? Because it's, it's not as though it's just this uniform group. There's some really cool people in Quebec, people who, who have actually looked into this and know that it's not the case and that they're a huge fucking welfare case. And they don't want to be. Sorry, continue. I just... The way I look at it is we, we base each province off of what their politicians do. But we all know that politicians are out for themselves and do whatever a, a, a loud minority scream. And we've already talked about how media's old establishment and push certain things and withhold things from us. So I go like, my whole view of Canada, if we took out... The, the medium, which is media, and the elites, which is, you know, politicians and, and big business, essentially. You know, I, I don't know. There's probably a couple other things I'm missing in there. Old wealth, maybe. I would say, like, you know, when it comes to independence, I don't think any of us need to leave. The problem is where people are at is they can't see any which way in any of that happening. That's like a giant shift where all of a sudden... Uh, governance just gets changed around in a heartbeat, you know. But look at look at uh, 
I don't, I don't follow American politics near enough, not near as enough as, as some. When Donald Trump goes in, he walks around the world and love him or hate him, he shuts down a bunch of wars, he starts yep. talking to people they'd never talked to, and blah, 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 blah. And you go, yep. can you imagine in Canada if all of a sudden you just had all these little groups that we were just talking in front of mm-hmm. and know about, slowly walking Not right, feeling alone, but joining up and banding together. And getting elected into positions, getting to the top of that, and all of a sudden they started talking and, and started going exactly what we're talking, you know, like, yeah, we haven't been talking to each other for a while, so I just thought I'd invite you over for coffee and maybe there's a way we could work together. Gee, that's such a unique idea. We're in a tough spot. Mm-hmm. How I wonder how quickly Canada could change around, how quickly Quebec could come into the fold. Or, or is that an impossible feat What's because the- of all the things that are in place in front of it? What are the focal early steps in that situation, right? You're not doing it in federal politics. You're doing it in the smallest groups you can. Things like school boards, uh, counselors, right? Well, in order to be... Because that's, where, because that's where it's effective. And then you can take that success and eventually have it trickle upwards, right? Well, you but, look at, you look but, at Daniel Smith, like... Although she was the leader of the official opposition, the reason she's a great a great politician right now, a great orator, is I would argue her time on radio. Yes. Where she had open line and had to juggle how many different topics every day and angry 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 listeners and and tough questions and like go look into things and that that's a I assume a very humbling position to be in. To now be where she's on the world stage and has more expertise than, you know, we always pick on Justin Trudeau. It's low-hanging fruit. Yep. The guy was a failed drama teacher who, what, like, what has he done to go around the world and solve some people's problems? Probably close to zilch. I would say probably a little bit more than zero. So if you get involved in, in, in your lowest level of governance... Bit, I mean, the tiniest possible bit. Whatever that is, whichever way you get involved, in a couple of years, you know, you're, you're, mm-hmm. you're better. And maybe you can take on a little bit more. This is the Jordan Peterson thing about cleaning your room. It just mm-hmm. when you talk about trickling it up, it does. But how much time does that take? And how much time do we no have? No idea. I don't know. But but that's that's where it goes, and that's where it can come from. But is that going to be where it does come from? When you've got all this downward pressure trickling the other way, when you've got legacy media trying to report that they're still relevant and that their their views hold merit and. Well, it's it's and the big it's the, cities. It's the forcing it's the, their culture and beliefs on people thousands of miles away. But once again, I don't. Uh, I'm like I haven't walked around Edmonton and talked to like a bunch of Edmontonians. Is it? Do you think it's like ninety ten of like our batch of crazy, or do you think it's fifty fifty? Take the voting out of it. You know, everyone's like, well, they all voted NDP. It's like, mm-hmm. well, if the government... I've talked to enough people that I respect, somewhat. Yeah. Well, I know, I, if it's, it's, I respect them. I just have a hard time not getting around like, can't you see where this ends? But regardless, if the government says we're going to cut your jobs, we're going to go after these things, mm-hmm. you can see why they vote for the, the, the places that are going to make that your way of life better. Yeah. Okay. But I don't know why the governments don't do that, by the way. I was talking with John the other night, John Romick, and he was saying that the Sask United Party is great for everybody in Saskatchewan except for redundant middle management and crown corporations. And that's probably fair, and I imagine that's very true. 
Why he doesn't get up there and literally say that in a press conference, though, is beyond me. Just cut brass tacks and, and just lay it yeah. up. Look, I'm here to be the best possible representative for everyone in Saskatchewan except for middle managers with redundant positions in Crown Corporations. If you're one of those people, you should probably vote for the Saskatchewan party. How refreshing would it be to hear that? A straight shooter in politics? Well, that's that's why Donald Trump is uh, so regaled. Is that yep. the word I'm looking for? Right? Yeah, because he wanted to drain the swamp. Okay, And Canada's got a pretty big fucking swamp, too. And so I think that you're seeing stuff like this with how Danielle Smith disarms people in the media, with how... Polyev can eat an apple and make some jackass look like a jackass uh, just offhandedly. They've gotten fat and slow in the media. And it's a great time to just blast right past them. Well, and they keep doing the same old bait and switch. Yep. Right? They, they bring in a story that they think is going to get it, but not nearly as many people. Like, it's it's a dying breed. Now, the thing is, is thankfully, in, their, thankfully. in their death spiral... They can do a lot of stupid things. That's where we get into, you know, the, the part where two says I like to beat a dead horse in the show, but it's just really important. C-11, C-18, all the things coming down on censorship. It's like me and you get to sit here and talk and ride in a car and release mm-hmm. it, and people get to hear it in less than 24 hours because of the lovely things that are going on in the world right now. Well, when something's dying, it shits itself. And <clears throat> if anything's nearby, it's probably going to shit all over it. And that's what legacy media is trying to do to everybody like us. But what the populist politicians haven't realized is that, first of all, they need to push back on that label. And just say, well, what does populist mean? Same kind of thing with what Polyev did. And say, well, it's, it's a politician that cares about representing the will of the people. You say, when did that become a bad thing? Why do you think it's a bad thing? And where do you think your interests are that make you think that's a bad thing. And the poli- or the the reporter is going to do that same stummered bam, 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 that happened to Polyev when he was eating an apple. It's teed up. It's right there. And nobody's jumped on it yet. You don't even have to swing hard and you'll put it over the fence. Right? Everybody keeps saying pop. Everybody in legacy media says populist is a bad thing get them to define it and ask him uh, why in the great and glorious fuck do they think representing the will of people that you're supposed to represent is somehow an evil trait and if you do think it's an evil trait is it perhaps conceivable that you have lost the plot somewhere along the way or you're just not doing your homework in, in your, you know, I come all the way back to uh, the word atheist. I just thought it meant some, like, I just thought I knew what it meant. Mm-hmm. Until you go actually read the definition. Well, I mean, there's, there's it, a big it, difference think about between it. Think about, no, not think believing in God and believing God does not exist. Yes. Well, I mean, but I'm just saying, like, all I mean by that is, like, with populist, if they say it in a certain connotation, you go... 
with with the right inflection, it sounds almost like an epitaph. Yeah, like it just you're just like, oh yeah, that's a bad thing. And then somebody's, and then it takes somebody else to go. Have you read the definition of populist? Well, no. Okay. Well, how about we read that yep. first before we decide that that's a negative thing? Well, just just before we decide what kind of thing and, it is, and, why don't you read it? And sure. Yeah, but same idea. Right, and so, yeah, there's a lot of low-hanging fruit, and you can pick it and eat it while you're talking to reporters right now. A person, especially a politician, who strives to appeal to ordinary people who feel that their concerns are disregarded by establishment elite groups. And the establishment elite groups, for some inconceivable reason, seem to say that populism is a bad thing. Yeah, because it goes against their interests. Correct. So, like, but it's wild that journalists don't do that. Like, but it's funny, like, because they they frame it in a way, um, Adolf Hitler was a populist. I there there have been plenty of bad populists. But they I would they argue frame that Donald Donald Trump is a populist. Now, once again, this, to certain people, they hear Donald Trump is a populist, like hell yeah, I'm populist. Technically, because, if if you believe that there was no election interference, you would also reasonably believe that Joe Biden is a populist because he got elected to represent the will of the people, and apparently the will of the people want. The president's son to spend government money on crack and hookers. I'm just like when you control the media. So when they, when you know, when they, when they, you have that ability to frame how a situation is seen and heard. You have a lot of power. Yes. And you know, for a good chunk of time, you know, how long has that been? I don't know. I'm not going to argue about this, right? Somebody's got to has been staring at this longer and everything else. But like when you've had that control for so long, it's that's got to be hard to relinquish. And so like the the and issue effortless control too. Yeah. Right. Nobody was fighting it. The, how many people have we ran into since we left Lloyd that we that have been like, yeah, like three years ago? I I believe the government was like doing everything right. Was was great. You know, he not had, all of them, but quite a few. Uh, but, you know, Justin Trudeau, he's not my cup of tea, but he's not really hurt me that much. And now they're all like, every time something comes through, my first thought is to take a step back and go, what are they trying to, te- you know, try and steer me towards? We walk into these rooms, Sean. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but we walk into these rooms and we are probably the people who hate the government the least. <laughs> that's That's interesting. Yeah. I sat and talked to a lady last night. I think it was Michelle, and um, worked for. Oh, I'm, I'm, I apologize. I should have apologized to this lady after a show. I was telling you this, mm-hmm. like I'm wore out. My brain yeah. just isn't firing anymore. I'm kind of tired, whatever. But anyways, and you missed details. Mi- Michelle, you missed details Michelle, that you really wish you could be writing down as you went. Michelle worked for, um, uh, like, in food inspection for 19 years. Mm-hmm. Lost her job uh, during COVID. Right. Okay. And so when you talk about we might be the ones that hate the government the least, that's just one story of her having to move away from her kids to find work. Mm-hmm. North Battleford, of all places. Move from North Battleford to North Battleford. To North Battleford to get work. Oh. And, um, Imagine willingly and, deciding you wanted to live in North Battleford. And and she's just like, you know, I had to come. I, I heard you guys, we had to come. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I'm mean, thank you for sharing. You know, like, and that's just one of a myriad of stories that showed yep. up in the in the in Hank's Tavern or in the Lumsden um, 
you know, the Lumsden Hotel yeah. uh, steak pit. Um, I, I chuckle still about the. We told the story about Wendy last night. So Wendy, if you're listening, the the 69 year old woman who first time she'd ever gone to the bar by herself was to come see us two, and she had no ideas that many people would come up to Lumsden for. She's just like, this is amazing. Like I had no idea. Yep. And we actually ended up telling. The second our show finished, there was a woman, I didn't catch her name, who came up and said, you need to hear about what happened to me in Ottawa with the flags. And for the record, we told that story last night, too. And I think we'll probably tell it in Irma. So we won't spoil There's, it here. Yeah. Come come, come to Irma. So come you can see it live, and you you'll can. be able to hear the story <laughs> in its entirety. Although I will say that I think she did a better job of telling it than I did. Well, anytime it's your story, I think it's... Uh, Anytime it's your story, it's it's like you can, you've lived it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, you can really add some things that two is trying to regurgitate a story can't. Yes. Yep. There's definitely that. But just the, the impassioned way she spoke to the oblivious nature of these Ottawanians, I found it, it was just, it was refreshing and it was so funny. I, I don't know. You, you end up, people will tell you stories that they think are interesting. And they're always interesting in some way. But it sometimes ends up being a crapshoot, whether it's a story that you think is interesting but may not be a great fit for telling a whole bunch of people. Right? And it was just this this impassioned delivery and well-spoken and the way she could just accurately describe the little parts involved. If I'd have known she was going to speak to it that well at the start of it I would have been like oh hold up everybody sit down for a minute you need to stick around for another couple minutes and hear this yeah well and you think we could probably do that once or twice every show have somebody come up and tell their but you never know until they come yeah, up because it, it might be a disaster yeah well 50 people come and talk to you after the show which is cool yes and out of those 50 a couple just stick out and you're like that was that was like <laughs> the mayor of Bradwell last night had everybody <laughs> rolling on the ground laughing talking about a few things um, when it came to school and children and and some of the things that he's seen as a father it was hilarious you know it was just it was just hilarious I'm like this is funny you had the mayor of the town coming to the show regaling us all with stories and bought a shirt I thought it was wonderful I didn't even know that he was the mayor until we were talking about it this morning you didn't realize last night that he was the mayor I just thought it was just some guy who had some interesting stuff to talk about no kidding yeah, what, a, what an interesting world. Well, any final thoughts here as we, we wrap up? Obviously, um, come to Irma, Alberta tonight. Um, 7.30 is when show starts at Albert Hall. Look at social media. That's where all the directions to get there. But it's Irma, um, just just slightly north of Irma. And uh, I'm north, right? Yeah, it's just north of town if... If what Trish told us is correct, which it probably is, she seems fairly trustworthy. Correct, correct. So um, that's tonight. Um, how about how about we we've rattled off uh, um, Hancock, uh, the the tale of the tape brought to you by Hancock Petroleum. How about uh, the final question with Crude Master? Okay. What, what final question do you want today, Tuz? It's sorry. That's the question. Is what final question do I want? I guess I want the question of what final question do I want? So what final question do you want, Tuz? I want the question of what final question I want. 
You said that the final question is what final question do you want? And I'm responding by saying that the final question I want is what final question so do you want? So what final question do you want? I just... Two is what final you. question do you want? Which one have you been wanting to ask me for however long? Uh, but I did. I already asked that today. That's been not bugging me, but I've been oh, okay. surprised. All right. Okay. So, so we got into that earlier today. All right. What question have you been wanting to ask me that you haven't asked? <laughs> well, which final question do you want? <laughs> um, I don't I, know. You know, that's that's funny. I asked James Lindsay this, and he kind of looked at me like, I don't know, I was a genius or insane or maybe both. And I haven't figured out which one he thought. But, you know, he's talking a little bit about chatting with guys after shows and things like that. And I'd gotten the impression, although he wasn't exactly explicit with it, but I'd gotten the impression that he spends a lot of time being asked the same questions. Probably. Right? And I said, well, what's a question you wish somebody had asked you? You know, what when, when you're sitting down in a situation exactly like this, what's something that you just think you want to speak to but no one's ever thought to ask you about it yet? And I suck at asking people questions. You'll notice I don't really do a whole lot of interviews. I imagine it's like a muscle you got to flex before it gets big. But what's what's a question that you wish somebody had given you that you, you could expand on that you haven't really had a chance to, to explore yet? So what's a question that I wish somebody would ask me? Yeah. Um, I've been surprised since I took... It was a guy in the bar last night who asked me about it. Uh, and I was actually Callan this morning who asked it is what happened during the 53 days that you oh. left podcasting. Now, I've, I talked about it with Nick, yeah. right? So, like, it surprised me it took somebody that long. Like, I've been asked about it. I'm just surprised that somebody's never come on the show and asked about it, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I've expanded greatly on that. Um, I'm always yeah. flattered when somebody asks, you know, like, you know, what's the best podcast and different things like that where they want me to try to elaborate on somebody like but that's an impossible question because there's it's Boyd been so, Anderson. It's been so many good uh there's been so many good. But I mean, if you take away the best because I I think every one of them at different times is like really impactful. Well, and then and you can you can choose a different word and it becomes more you can draw into what what the person's really after. Like what do you mean? What do you define by best? So, I mean, once again, you it ask, can mean a lot of different things. Like even the first time we had Paul Brandt on, Sean that's the best episode you ever done. <laughs> Jamie and Chuck. I love that episode. I want you to do one every week. That's like the best thing that you're not doing that you should be doing. And there's been so many other ones. How many times have I told you that some episode is my favorite episode? Well, every Tanner Applegate episode is my favorite episode. So there's that. I, w- I would say that there's... Um, every month somebody says that's the best episode you've ever done. And that same person three months later will say that's the best episode you've ever done. And it means you're getting better. I hope. I hope that's what it means, right? Because I take that as a very extremely high compliment. Um, But that's what I mean by best. It's like, well, what is best to you? Well, the Tanner Applegate episodes are the best in a completely different way. Why are they the the best? Because... First of all, he's got this beautiful voice. You can hear how big he is. And so you can picture exactly how imposing a figure he is. And when he's speaking so frankly and honestly about what he thinks, what he believes, and what he's willing to do to protect 
those things important to him, you can see it. You can feel it. It's almost like this pervasive presence all around you. And it's so fun, interesting, and engaging to hear about this man who will do all sorts of interesting and fun things that other people he would be doing them to would not find to be interesting and or fun and how he just he'll literally just say like these people are our enemies this is bad and but rather than just you know the, the generic sort of I really don't like what they're doing right now be like this is fucking evil and I'm gonna punch it and I love that directness so could we say um like one of the things I admire about Tanner is he says things that other people don't. It's what makes him unique. He's got a great voice too, don't get me wrong. The way he says it is is kind of like when the cowboy preacher gets on and talks to Jesus for two and a half hours. What people said is like, what is up with his voice? Like, why, how does he, he's got this like interesting, sexy in, like, what is that? And it's interesting. So it's, it's a voice, it's how he says it, how, how he approaches it, that's Tanner. Tanner is one of the most different minds I've ever talked to on the podcast because you know the last time he's going I insight I'm like I'm I don't want to say I'm, I'm I'm promoting violence and he just goes I am I can't even do with the voice oh yeah that was I am you know and you're like what and he's like I'm saying you know like I'm trying to act like <laughs> we I can, need to get violent we need to get violent and you're, yeah, like, you're like no 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 I, just, I, 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 I got love a podcast but here people, people think it but they don't say it, and, and he says it. And they're they're probably but the, but they probably know that they're thinking it, but they're uncomfortable even within themselves to explore those thoughts thoroughly enough to get so to this the bottom where, of them. So this is where I come back to the best. So the best is such a large word. Well, what's the best? I don't know. Are we talking most downloads? Are we talking like the thing that's impacted my life the most? Are we talking no. the funniest? Are we like when you talk the best movie of all time? Well, that honestly, when if you're into movies or you're into books, it's like well. What are, we, what are we defining by the best? So when it comes to podcasts, what's the most interesting mind you've talked to where it just like kind of like, huh, or something? Okay. T- Tanner's, uh, there's a reason why Tanner sticks out to you because nobody talks, I, I, I don't know if I had another guy on like Tanner. The See, answer's I'd probably like to say, I, the The perfect version of myself that I want to see when I look in the mirror is probably a lot like Tanner, but I'm not. And then you brought up um, Jamie and Chuck. Well, yep. there's a reason why they're uh, a, both of them can tell. Like Jamie can tell a story like nobody's business. Like, there's very few who can retail, recall, and retell uh, Canadian military history like Jamie Sinclair. And has a million and of them. He's off this the tiny cuff. guy. He's about my size, but slimmer. And he went through the crap in military so he he got he wasn't the big brute in, in military he was this little guy who survived it and gets to tell these tales that are like super cool and then you got chuck who's this laid back guy who's done some bad things you just you understand listen and yet in canada they come from a class of people that is like point it's like the same size i'll say it's a little bigger than the lgbt they're a fringe minority. Plus, but they're a fringe minority yeah. and that's it's in the best possible way, they, oh, yes. like more of them, should, more of us should be a part of that fringe minority. So them coming on is something super rare. But even when when Chuck did that that one um, that you did in Edmonton with with the other guy yep. whose name eludes me, right? Even that one is right up David, there. David uh, Moriarty. Yes. Right. You you could just it was well, that military same kind of thing with Tanner Applegate. You could almost feel how you can feel the lethality. Sure. 
And and then you brought up Paul Brandt. And the thing about Paul Brandt is now all of us know who Paul Brandt is for the most part. If you're Canadian, you've listened to Paul Brandt a good chunk of your life. And for me to be able to sit across from him and him be a regular human being that just like and to hear his voice is surreal. It's a different type of best. It's like I was super cool because it's Paul freaking Brandt. Yeah. It's Don freaking Jerry. It's Glenn Sather. It's all these it's big names. Two freaking twenty two. Correct. <laughs> I mean, honestly. And so, what do you define as best? You know, like when yeah. Joe Rogan had Robert Downey Jr. on, I thought it was cool because I'm like, you know, you can hate the Marvel movies, but Robert Downey Jr., man, he played a great Iron Man. He just did. Yep. He was that character. He was built for it. And then to have him on Rogan talking a little bit about it. Was and it, was, Tropic Thunder. Was it the greatest movie ever or podcast ever? No, but it was super cool. It was yeah. super cool. But if I think of any of the best Rogan episodes. It's as, soon nobody, as, as soon it's, as you mentioned that episode, I'm like, pro- oh yeah, I remember that. And it's I probably it. n- it's probably nobody famous unless you're talking Jordan Peterson. I don't even know which Rogan episode I'd pick as being my favorite. I thought that the first James Lindsay one, where it was him and that other guy who were talking just of that content, uh, and how they pulled the wool over the entire woke establishment and had all those papers written, published, and winning awards based on pure bullshit making it sound as ludicrous as possible. I thought that was really good. My absolute favorite Rogan episodes are the ones where he gets other comedians on. Really? Those are the ones that I really enjoy. Um, I don't know. He does a good job of getting other people to explain things, and you can learn a lot from the really informative ones. He doesn't always do a great job of pushing back, which is fair, because if you push back too much, no one's ever going to want to be on your show, right? But when you get someone up there just spouting absolute fucking nonsense except for Tom DeLong, he kind of just brushed, he just wrapped that up but he could have he could have had that guy dancing around and did a lot of interesting things with it that he didn't but the ones that I really enjoy are the ones that get me feeling the most high there's other better podcasts if I want to learn things but Joe Rogan talking with other comedians, I don't think anybody does it as well. Even when you listen to those comedians having other comedians so, on their show. So what is that? Let's talk about that for a second. Why do you think... So he does it really good. Why, why is that? Think about that for a second. Okay. Two things. It, they're really... He's... The, the really good ones are the ones where he's really comfortable with the guys like when he's when he's having the guys on that he's been buddies with for years so one he's created strong friendships with comedians which he was he is a comedian yeah that makes sense okay long time okay Mm -hmm. he's funny he knows what direction to he's had so many conversations with comedians over the years that i'm sure that he knows exactly what direction to to guide them where they start exploring funny ideas right so one is funny. One they're the best because of the relationship, the comfortability, and you had two points. What was the second one? That he knows where to p- take the conversations so that they go in really funny directions. Right? He's pretty good at very, very incredibly low key teeing up some of this stuff. Not so that it's teed up, but just so that it gets nudged. And there's an opportunity to pick it up and take it in a fun direction. And he's always willing to take it in a fun, fun direction. Like, you're just like, oh, there's a joke to make? The answer is always yes with Rogan. He's never like, oh, we're being serious for a second. 
not that you are or anybody else's that I can even think of off the top of my head, but well, just, if the doors open, he always wants to. What I was talking it. about with Marty uh, up north this this week is that what what and this is a Harley uh, thing he pointed out because we got to talk about Rogan. Like, okay, so I always talk about with Rogan, what are the things he really does well? I'm like, everything's in person. It's always better when you're in person. Mm-hmm. So, you know, some of us can pull that off. Others can't. You know, to have some of the guests that he has is impossible. Like right now, where I sit, it's impossible to have that guest list. Mm-hmm. Even if I had access to them all, I would have to do majority of those um, online. Right? Yep. So, okay, that's one. But two, Harley was pointing out to me, uh, Jonathan Pajot. You know, I was saying, I don't know if it was a good interview. Everybody says it was a great interview. What Harley said is... is you want it to be what me and you have, or me and Marty up north have, mm-hmm. or me and Chuck Prodnick, or Jamie Sinclair. And he goes, and we started talking about that. And he's like, that's almost impossible. They're at a they're at a point in time in their career, their fame, their whatever, where they are melding. And so you think of Joe Rogan. He's got a ton of people that are recurring guests, but only a few that like you can tell they have like immediately they sit down and away they go. Mm-hmm. So the comedians, he's been in the trenches with them. Yep. And being in the trenches with somebody, you see what they're made of. And then you put them on the show with you and you can talk about anything because it's, you know, to take a terrible term, it's a safe a safe place where you understand the other guy isn't trying to do. Think about what we've done in here today. Like, I've pulled you into a very uncomfortable conversation, whether you like the conversation or not. For part of it, it's uncomfortable. But to me, I'm not trying to do it in a way that isn't just too... Uh, friends exploring the, the the conversation and the thing is is the more people you have like that the as a listener you're like this is interesting because they actually get down to brass, ta- brass taxes fast now it doesn't have to always be serious conversations it just means there's a comfortability where you sit down and you have some thoughts and away you go and when you do somebody like when you do you know <laughs> when, when you interview somebody <laughs> this, for the this fir- came up uh, for a first time the other night there's this feeling out process, whether you want to have it or not, where you're just trying to figure out if the other person's real, if you're real, and what they're going to do as a host. Am I going to try and sewer them? Am I trying to dig something out? It takes a level of repetition. It takes a level of getting used to one another. It takes figuring out what the other person's, and that takes time and effort. And people who are rock stars don't give you all that time because their time is precious. Obviously so. Yep. And so you look at Rogan and why you like the comedians, and maybe I'm wrong on this. I'll let you tell me, is I just go... Those guys went through the trenches. They already knew each other before they sat in front of the mic. They were already comfortable to sit in front of the mic. And now they just get to go out there and have fun and joke and be morons and do what, everything they've done. Heck, I bet at some point back in the day, somebody's like, man, you guys should record these conversations. These are hilarious. And Joe's oh. like, yeah. And then when he got famous, instead of walking away from it and just interviewing Neil deGrasse Tyson and, mm-hmm. and Randall Carlson and all these people that people loved him for, you know, James Lindsay, he keeps bringing them back on because... It's part of who he is. And if you lose who you are to even such a thing as a successful podcast, it will slowly not become anything more than just, you know, yeah, I kind of tune into it. But if you have that heartbeat of who you are, which is Joe and his, you know, like when he has, uh, who's the famous singer he has on when they always go for like famous rapper kind of artist, pop star, I guess, for like four and a half, five hours. They did Mushrooms at one time. I never saw that one. Oh, my God. Me and my wife listened to it. Okay. Mel and I were going to Banff and we listened like five hours of Rogan and... Oh, I can see him in my head. Somebody screaming at the the doing uh, mushrooms for five hours and recording the whole time. Yeah, and that's part of what Rogan is. He just it, it, like and it doesn't. Know, we phase should try him. that sometime. <laughs> Any other thoughts? Or well, no. I'll no let you, I'll that let was you. it. I I think you're absolutely right. It's it's 
him doing stuff that he's really passionate about, that he's put in a ton of reps, doing it with people that he's got a great background with. Look at the conversations you've had probably with guys that you've worked really closely with over the years, right? Where, fuck, we should have recorded this. How many times have you just been shooting the shit with somebody that you've known forever? You end up having an hour too long conversation like, this would have made a great podcast. All the time. And that's that's what he's doing. That was this morning before we turned it on. I was like, we should have just recorded this entire time. Right? Because we sat here and tried. We just, but both of us were tired. I'm like, I'm just going to leave it off. You know, I'm tired. I mean, the two days in a row of going, you know, we were saying about like next time over a course of a week doing like six, six shows in seven nights. I'm like, man, I don't know. That, that's that's a lot, you know. Like uh, maybe if we're just hitting every small town along the highway. <laughs> <laughs> well, how far do we got to go today? Twelve kilometers. Okay. How about tomorrow? It's a little bit further. It's thirteen. Right. We could do something like that. <laughs> you know, when we bike Canada. Worst part about Saskatchewan, other than being flat and windy was you could see the next grain elevator because there were roughly every 20 kilometers down the railway track and the one highway followed. Well, I mean, probably Yeah, because you took 16 pretty much we, all we, the way. You, no, you what, we turned went, Atlanta again or what? Well, no, we went. We were on the south. Uh, no. What highway is that? Okay. Anyways. Doesn't I mean, matter. It's more doesn't or less matter. the same. Regardless. But, we, but we, you could see it, and it's like this slow-moving figure that gets bigger and bigger until you go past it, and then when you get past it, you start looking, and you can see the peak of the next one. It's like, ugh. It just like makes the bike even worse, you know, because you can see this I, this slow moving thing coming for an hour until you pass it. Anyway, <laughs> thanks for doing this, Tuz. Um, to the listener, tonight, seven thirty is when doors uh, or six thirty doors open. Seven thirty show starts, and uh, Tuz and I's final show on the uh, world tour of Saskatchewan and now Alberta. So we're crossing the border. Hope to see you there. And you have no idea if we're gonna keep doing them or not. So you should definitely come. But I've had a lot of fun, so we're going to keep doing them. Cliffhanger, but not a cliffhanger. Yeah. All right. We'll catch up to you in the next one, folks.